0: Welcome to Corero on Sustainability, the first podcast produced by Future Proofers, a student-led sustainability club here at AUT. I am Leila, your host, and I hope you enjoy this corero with professionals who are leading sustainable change in Aotearoa. We hope their stories bring some light to your own personal journey. Kia ora everyone, and welcome back to Kōrero on Sustainability. As a woman-led club, we are happy to shed light on a topic that is commonly unaddressed, but has severe implications on menstruation, mental health and the environment. Today, Emily Holdaway and Kimberly Shutman, the co-founders of The Good Fund, which is a non-profit that is giving menstruating people all over Aotearoa access to reusable period products. They will help us understand what period poverty is and how it contributes to economic, environmental and health issues. As we were preparing for this episode, um, we reflected on our own experiences and it was interesting to learn that despite the fact that we are all lucky enough to have access to period products, we carry the stigma of our first period. Why is menstruation such a taboo topic? And how is it preventing girls from having a positive relationship with their bodies? you want to start?
1: You can start.
2: (laughs) For me, me it's intergenerational, I think. Um, I was brought up, I'm 51, so I'm about three times you guys' age. (laughs) And and I was brought up in a very closed-door house uh, where you didn't talk about anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was ashamed of my period up until probably I started using a menstrual cup, actually. And... um, and I didn't talk about it to anybody, and I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed of it um, in in front of my boyfriends. I was ashamed to talk about it with my friends. Um, you didn't. I didn't know anybody at school that had their period. We just we just didn't talk about it. And the way I was told was, I went to when I was. 12, I went to a meeting um, at school with a whole lot of all the other girls of my age at high school or 12, I think, intermediate, and um, we were stuck in a room and we were told about periods, my mother didn't even tell me, so that's how I learned about periods, so when I was 12, and I had no clue before that. So. Um, So for me, it was, um, my mother gave me a box of pads and said, here you go, you read the instructions, and and she never talked to me about it again. Really? um, Yeah, so for me, I think that um, taboos um, are, you know, like it's a generational thing, and I think that in 10 years' time, that we will be out of a phase of taboo, like within First world countries will be out of that phase of, of we're still in it though. Like I'm, st- I still suffer. Like I don't, I'm not like that anymore because I talk about vaginas and periods all day. <laughs> but I, but I, but I do think there's a whole lot of stigma um, still with people my age who have grown up with that with taboos and they still haven't been able to let them go. So no. people like me and M and other people around New Zealand who are talking about um, periods and And bodies and vaginas and cervixes and all the things, you know, they're like, (gasps) and they feel claustrophobic and they can't deal with it. But I think that you guys are from a generation that's going to come through and you're actually going to change all of that, you know, so it's us educating everyone else to make, you know, make a difference and that's your job. Anyway, that's my announcement. Oh, awesome.
0: Well, thanks for that. And Emily, do your thoughts
1: reflect that or did you have a different experience uh, very different. So I'm kind of in the middle. You guys can believe me a slot in there. Um, and for me growing up, it was a very nudity house. We actually had no doors in our house. Oh, um, I, I grew up with four walls uh, and, and a roof, but inside our house there were no doors. The, the The bathroom had a curtain and we had a long drop until I was 12 with no door. Um, And so Bodies were very seen. Um, my, best, my best friend's mum used to do a lot of naked meditation under a banana palm. Um, and when she had her period, she would free bleed. And I remember once we were uh, camping. And when I say camping, I mean we had a bivouac and a sleeping bag. And her period came and she'd just go into the river and wash it away. So it was very much open and talked about. But when I got my period, I was 15 which is quite late compared to a lot of people. I had no tits. I was just up and down. <laughs> and I was really embarrassed about my own body, even though body confidence and body talking was so open in the adults in my life. So I, d- I didn't tell my mum. I didn't tell my mum for oh probably close to a year that I even had my <laughs> <laughs> um, I told my best friend's mum and she kind of rifled through the, the, toilet thing and threw some pads at me and said there you go um which that and sex ed in class where basically we put condoms on bananas and we're showing mm-hmm. pictures of stis what uh, was about the the gist of it um it wasn't it wasn't periods weren't talking about like yes with my best friend's mum they they were but they moved away and so i didn't have that knowledge base to ask anymore um, I sure as hell wasn't talking to my mum about it. And then even now, I see, like, I was watching Superbad a couple of nights ago. Please do not judge me for my school <laughs> Um, And there is, an epi- there is a scene in Superbad where he is dancing with a chick, and then when he's finished dancing with her, there's blood on his jeans um, because she's got her period. The first time I watched Superbad, I didn't even, like, register that scene, but watching it now with the mahi that we do... I just saw the way it was vilified, the way everyone treated it like, ooh, gross, this is disgusting. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is the message that's coming across through our media to teenagers, to young people, to everyone about what menstruation is. And I, I think that's really powerful. That plays a really big role in the messages that we have about our own body when everything mainstream, because Kimberly and I are just really small voices in a very big sphere, you know, and still the the mainstream view on menstruation is that it's gross, Um, and and there's lots of places that's come from, but the main, we won't get into the main one, I could rant about this for days, but yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) that's where it came from for me.
0: Um, So I find it interesting that you both reflect on being embarrassed, having these negative emotions, but yet, like you said, you're talking about periods and vaginas and cervixes all the time. Um, So what brought about that change uh, from being, you know, from sort of internalizing it, not wanting to talk about it, to sort of freely educating people um, about these things? I just
2: discovered a menstrual cup years and years and years ago and I just completely I I it took me about eight months to buy one I saw one on Facebook advertising with Ruby Cup and I love their I love their message they they did a buy one give one like we do and um and that's where I got my sort of idea from they sort of they sort of solidified all of that for me you know going all actually um you can do good, that's this whole thing with business for good, you know, they were doing it, they've been doing it for a really, really, really long time and sending cups to Africa and anyway I tried one of their cups, I got one sent from the UK, it took me eight months to buy one but I finally bought one and then I went camping with my kids and my hubby and I didn't take any tampons with me and I got my period and I used my used this ruby cup, this little blue cup that I had and I went to the, the toilet block and I put the cup in and I Completely, something I don't know. I just had like a lightning strike out of the sky because I hated using tampons and I hated pads. Like I just hated the whole period thing, and um, I couldn't feel it. I, I I I didn't have to change my tampon every few hours, and I was I just wanted to scream at the top of my voice and go, "Holy hell! How come I've never ever heard of one of these yeah. magic cups before?" And so I bought one for my friend, and she tried it, and then she couldn't believe how amazing it was. And then I decided, like, you know, a couple of months later, that that was it. I was going to start a business that I wanted to make a New Zealand my dream was to make a New Zealand made menstrual cup. And it took me many, many more years to be able to do that. But um, but the passion started there, and then the number of people that that's lives were changed after I started that business. It started making me realize that actually. Um, this, there was a whole environmental impact And there was all these other things That you know like and, and, and so. getting back to the taboos I've digressed But it freed me from my fear of tampons and pads Like it freed me from that disgusting White thing that I was sticking inside my body And taking out And, and, and couldn't show to anybody Because anybody that looked at a used tampon Would go You know we all do that because it doesn't look very nice and with a cup it just made my period so like I'd forget that I have my period I would um I felt clean I didn't feel dirty I didn't feel like I was going to get toxic shock syndrome I just it just opened up a whole new world for me of and I started talking about periods again openly and that's where it all started for me and then I went crazy (laughs) Yeah, so I
0: suppose, um, did you feel as if because you had autonomy and a choice over how you managed your period, it started to give you the confidence that it was, you know, something that you control rather than something that controls you?
2: Yeah, and I wasn't tired to go into a supermarket every month. I didn't have to go and think, shit, I've got to go and buy my tampons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and pay for those every month, I didn't, I, my cup was going to last me for 10 years, and I was like, holy shit, this is, there was all these things compounding themselves on top of my head, and this is well before uh, menstrual cups became popular in New Zealand, I was just like, man, we can save the planet, we can save people money, we can, um, we can end period poverty, because these are, an art- but I mean, at the time, I was so crazy about it, that I thought that menstrual cups were the, worthy solution for period poverty worldwide in New Zealand everywhere um of course we know that they're not now because people need a choice but um yeah they just completely freed me from financial um environmental stress you know all that sort of thing instantly like it was just all Mm -hmm. gone Mm -hmm. so it's interesting
0: that you mentioned that having a choice gave you the I suppose, the feelings that you needed to get over the repressed shame and things you felt with having these normal bodily functions. But of course, as we know, there are many, many people who menstruate that don't have that choice. And that brings us to the point of period poverty, which is ultimately um, what the good fund is trying to fight. Um, so could you, could you ladies please explain a little bit about what period poverty means and um, its impact in Aotearoa and in New Zealand? Jane,
1: your turn. Um, yeah, I I want to even backtrack to that a bit further perhaps to how how we came to realise, I, I didn't know period poverty was a thing, you know, it, it's not something that I grew up with a label on, you um, I we grew up. I grew up in a part of Northland where poverty just was. So yeah, you couldn't afford tampons and pads, but you were having porridge for breakfast every morning, and everyone was struggling, and everyone was on the dole, and it was just intergenerational welfare dependence. And the only jobs going where I grew up was the pub and the local school. that had fifty kids in it, um, and so there wasn't a there wasn't a term for period poverty. Poverty. There was just poverty, um, and and I because we didn't talk about periods, like, you just, you used toilet paper if you had to, and it wasn't, you didn't tell anyone you were using toilet paper, you just used toilet paper, um, and you kind of, like, I don't know, got tampons out of your mum's thing and didn't really ask, and it it wasn't something I was so much aware of as the, the wider issue, and a lot of that was because I I wasn't thinking about menstruation in the same way that I do now. Like it it wasn't a focus of, of anything. When I met Kimberly, I actually met Kimberly because she was looking for testers for a menstrual cup. Um, I did not know what they were. It's 30, it's 30, never heard of a bloody menstrual cup. Uh, and she was looking for someone, she was looking for a few people to test one and it was free. And I was like, okay, hand up, I'll take that. (laughs) And getting into getting into using that and learning about the buy one give one um, initiative that she was doing, I thought, oh, this is really brilliant. But I, I didn't I still hadn't really clicked on what what an impact it would make and how it would help. Um, and then a couple of years ago, a lady I follow on Facebook who is an antenatal uh, educator she, and, and we're friends in real life and she put up a post and she said hey I've got a young mum in Ngarua here who has had her baby and she doesn't have any money for gear and she's bleeding into the toilet can you help you know we, we need some help for this woman I thought fuck that's what it is that's that's exactly what it is it's not having the money to be able to manage your bleeding after you've given birth and to manage your bleeding going forward. And I was reading all these comments coming and saying, yeah, look, we'll, we'll donate this and we'll donate that and we'll give tampons and we'll give pads. And I thought, this isn't actually sustainable because, yeah, we're rallying around this woman as a community and this is great and we're going to dump her, you know, a bag of tampons off of their front door. Awesome. And then she's going to use them and she's not going to have any. Yes. Yeah,
2: you know like it's
1: just she's just going to have to ask again she's probably not going to because she's going to be shy or she's not going to have that lady there even seeing that it's an issue and it's it's not actually going to be dealt with it it's a band-aid it's a stop you know and that that really woke me up to this is an issue and this is an issue with a really inconsistent solution because the solution is not two dollar budget pads from the warehouse the solution has been able to manage this in a sustainable long-term way. Um, And yeah, so that was the moment of this is a thing. And putting the word period in front of it gives it a description. But for a lot of people, it's just poverty. And it's a small part of, of poverty that we're able to target and, and, help with I guess. Okay
0: and um have you noticed um whether the problem has gotten worse, gotten better or whether it stayed the same with um the whole COVID-19 pandemic? Have you found that it's influenced period poverty in Aotearoa?
1: The a lot of the um applications for help we're getting from now are from a demographic people might not expect to be applying for help um every third message is covid related Uh, people are losing their jobs people are down to one income people are also just becoming aware of the fact that a disposable anything is not a long-term solution, regardless of whether it's tampons or, um, you know, there's a lot of families out there who went to the supermarket and, and there were no nappies on the shelf. We all know that the issue we went through was toilet paper on the shelf um, and are uh, going, oh, actually, hold up a minute. Maybe I need to look at reusables. Not just, for, for a lot of people, it's not financial. Um, it, it's it's a a it's a convenient thing. It's, it's that, Because we look at everything in such short term. So we look at buying a a box of tampons um, as as a short term, it is financial, I'm sorry, it is financial, but it's the long term benefits of that financial thing aren't seen by most people. We look at we can spend a little bit of money every now and again, oh shit, I don't want to put out $40 or whatever, even though in the long term it's going to work out we've been conditioned to just buy here and now and buy for convenience. And COVID has changed that thinking. COVID has people going, if I can only go to the supermarket every, mm-hmm. three, yeah. every two or three weeks, what are some things that I can buy once and then not have to buy again? Yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, it's really changed the way people look at using products and within that has become a, a big focus on periods. Yes. Um, yes. So some of the applications we get aren't for period poverty per se, but just needing information. Like, where, where do I start, where do I go, what do I buy? Um, and then a lot of them are in, income affected by COVID for sure. Mm.
0: So what we really, one of the things that we really, really love about the Good Fund is that you do encourage reusables and that you do offer information to people who are wanting to make a more sustainable decision when it comes to managing their period. Um, but I was, you know, I was like, uh, Kimberly, I think you said it was only a couple of years ago that I found out that reusables were even an option. And then that's when I got into using reusable pads and I, and I love them. I've never looked back. Um, but I do think that a lot of the reason people don't make the switch, um, to a more, sustainable option is because they just don't know what all their options are. Um, so would you, would you guys care to elaborate on some of the different options there are for period management? I know you mentioned a cup. Um, what, what exactly is a cup and how does it work? And what are some other
2: ways? That <laughs> you, can- you go lady, you're, you're the, you're the
0: guru on this. Oh, there
1: it is. <laughs> I don't even have a mic up on my desk at the moment. I've got a, I've got a, desk. I do. Oh, here I do. Here I go. <laughs>
2: Um, <laughs> to, um, it's a big isn't it? Many cups everywhere all the time. So, a menstrual cup is a small, silica, or small um, device designed to use inside your body to collect your menstrual blood. It's as simple as that. Um, they are, they are super comfortable. Um, well, some people don't find them comfortable, but they haven't got the right size. To, they haven't got the right cup. Um, some people can't use a cup, so it's just you know, for someone who can use a cup, they're very comfortable, you forget you've got your period, Um, you can leave them in for longer periods of time, Um, especially for heavy periods, they're fantastic because they hold two to three tampons worth of blood, so, um, you know, you can go and out, and you can go to work and and not have to go back and forth from the toilet all morning um, or all afternoon, Um, you know, you can just keep going during the day, I mean, some people leave them in for 12 hours, we, we recommend eight hours, but I mean, I overnight would leave mine in overnight, which can be sometimes, you know, 10, 10 hours, so, um, and yeah, I mean, the, I just think they are revolutionary, I still even look at my cuts now, and I think, shoot, they're just the most incredible devices in the entire world, like, they are um, yeah, they're just revolutionary. And, and they were created in the 1930s and that's what completely blows me away. Yep. Is that someone thought it was going to be a really good money making idea to keep producing tampons and pads for women. So, um, and that menstrual cups were, you know, um, because they, you know, you buy one menstrual cup, you're not going to go back to that same shop and buy a menstrual cup. You know, people look for high volume, um, products that will walk off the shelf and make them money and tampons and pads do that because they're something that everybody needs that everybody uses every month and they are a high volume turnover product this hopefully you would only need three four in your lifetime so um, they're not a high volume product Um, but I think they are the way of the future I mean personally um, I've done all the research menstrual cuts are the single most sustainable period product Management product in the world apart from free bleeding. Um, and you know, compared to period underwear that maybe lasts 50 washes or two years, and pads maybe five years, these will last and also cost you a lot less than any of those products. So I'm a huge advocate. Um, you
1: know, the other, Em, um, you want to talk about pads and period underwear? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and going back to Kimberly about menstrual cups. The problem is over the years, uh, so one thing she said about selling is really, really interesting. Tampons and pads, you buy them all the time. So even if we look at that, you look at the money coming in, Tampax, Libra, all the ones that have the pretty ads on TV and the ads in the magazines, it's saturation, it's information saturation. You pick up your Dolly, your Cosmos, your Clio, what's in there? Tampax, Libra, Fleur, all the, that's all you see because when you're selling these, you're not making millions of dollars. So, so the, the menstrual cup companies just don't have the money behind them to saturate the teenage market because really when we start bleeding as young people and it's getting younger and younger, what we start using is probably what we're just going to keep using for a very long time. So if the first thing you buy is Tampax, Tampax is happy because they've got your customership for the next 30 years. You know? um, so it takes people talking about stuff like this for, for people to... First, realize there's an option, but then take it past like what um, the big problem most people get with menstrual cups is they think it's a tampon. You just buy one and put it in because you can do that with a tampon, but you can't do that with a cup. Like You can just see there the differences in in shapes and and size and flexibility, and there's, there's a little bit more knowledge needed. Most of the stories you hear about menstrual cups are, ugh, it didn't work, it was crap. It's actually mm-hmm. because they just bought one off the shelf without knowing more about what your body does. And it's something that as, as women, we're not encouraged to do, to learn more. When, when have you even been told, get a mirror, have a look? No, Have a look at your labia. Put your fingers inside mm-hmm. your body and see if you can feel your cervix. Like... Mm-hmm. Ugh. And even at 34, like the first time I sort of had a feel to try and find my cervix, I'm not actually sure I found my cervix. Um, But it was a really weird, like I know my face so intimately, I've got no idea really what my badge looks like. Mm -hmm. Because we put (laughs) such a taboo on that part of our body. Um, Yeah, so period underwear. Like a tampon, a a period underwear has different levels of of absorbency depending on how heavily you bleed. So you can get quite a thin one and then you can get a much gruntier one that catches everything up the back. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, for some people it completely depends on how heavily you bleed. They do not hold the same amount as a cup will hold. Um, for a lot of women, especially in those first couple of days when a bleeding is quite heavy, you might actually have to change your underwear. And if you're at work, changing your undies, that can be a bit difficult. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. to, better, to change a couple to leave a couple of nets. Um, some people will pair them with a reusable pad inside the undies and then just take the pad out and then have the underwear on so there's no one way to do it um, but they are a fantastic option for young people um, because mm-hmm. you just put on your underwear like, I, I love them because I just get up and I put on my undies and I get dressed and then yes. that's it it's so yes. no extra faffing about it's just uh-huh.
2: put on.
1: but they're not a cost effective option I mean, you need like six to eight pairs and they retail from 20 to $40 a pair. So they're not really, we don't think, they're not a period poverty solution. No, because to get someone who is struggling enough period underwear to last, like what's, you're talking like $200, $300 for it. And then like Kimberly said, after about 50 washes, they're done. They're like, they're like normal they've only got a lifespan of three years and if they've and only got
2: four then they last you know less than two years so it's two years if you've got eight to ten pairs. but it's it's maybe one year if you have cycling
1: four for your whole period you know wear, wash, dry, wear, wash, dry mm-hmm. um, yeah. they're not and, and then and then it's environmentally you're, you're still at the end of that you're throwing away all of that every couple of years instead of mm-hmm. That, but of that's t- definitely better for our bodies than, um, than tampons and pads. And I think a really nice ease into reusables um, in, a, in a way some, some people find a menstrual cup quite uh, in your face because you're having to see the blood. I, I find it fascinating, but for <laughs> a little bit like, oh, I'm not ready for that level of connection to my body. So the undies sort of suck it all the way. <laughs> they, um, they do wick away the moisture. So you're not sitting there with blood in your underwear like you would if you free bleed into underwear. They've got sort of the same technology that a, a pad does in which it pulls it through. And then the, the top layer stays touch dry. And you know that they need changing because it will not wick away. So when you get to the stage where there's, the blood is not absorbing into the underwear, then you're at capacity and you change them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I find myself wearing them just during the day because they're comfy. Yeah. Um,
2: my, yeah my, my daughters, who are th- uh, 14 and 15, so one of them, um, both of them just use period underwear because they're not more my little 14-year-old. She's just recently tried a cup and she's she just can't get it out once she gets it in. So she's just gone back to period underwear, but she wears her period underwear all month because she has an overproduction of vaginal fluid. So, you know, when you're not got your period and sometimes you have days where you've got your mucus is a lot thicker and it comes out, you know, some days, then she just uses instead of her normal underwear, she just wears her period underwear all month because that it's so comfortable and it takes away that wet feeling in her undies instead of having to wear a liner.
0: Sweet. Um, So, well, you guys are obviously doing some amazing work. And I just want to tell our listeners that thanks to the Good Fund, almost $1 million were saved by communities buying or being gifted a menstrual cup. And 16 tons of menstrual waste was saved from landfills and waterways. So there are some people who, despite still knowing the benefits of reusables, um, still use disposable period products. And Kimberly, I'm a lot like your daughter. I am a huge fan of my reusables. To be honest, I use my reusable pads every day just because they feel so much more comfortable than just wearing undies. And, and I just feel cleaner, but I still get a lot of people tell me, you know, that's, that's a bit gross. How do you do that? How do you wash them? Um, so how do how do you advise people to get over that ick factor? And, um, sort of be comfortable with having their period and their bodies and you know all that to sort of get on board with the idea of being more sustainable when it comes to period management
2: I think it's just talking to other people about it like just engaging in conversations with people and talking about it the only way you know there are people we get people often that ring us um because we have an 0800 number where we help people decide what's best for their body and they ring us and they just they just have ummed and ahmed for months and months and months they've thought they've heard about it they've talked to people about it but they still have that like you're saying an ick factor of oh you know like why would you why would you collect your menstrual fluid in a cup or why would you use reusable pads or why you know there's all these questions and why would you bleed into your underwear you know people just don't um but i always say that um, you know, you don't go, you don't take your tampon out and swing it around your head and go, oh, I've got my period, you know, you don't do that, but you can take your menstrual cup out, rinse it and go, here's my menstrual cup. And it, it's, you know, like there's a whole difference between using a menstrual cup and a tampon, you know, like they're quite, they're quite different. Um, And the ick factor to me is with tampons and pads, because you actually have got the blood in there and you've got to throw it away and you've got to put it somewhere. And then you find out that it takes five to 800 years for that one item that you've, that single use that you've used once is going to take that long to to break down um, in a landfill. And now with landfills being sealed the way that they're sealed, they're actually leaving a legacy of menstrual waste for generations and generations they'll open those landfills in a thousand years time and your one pad that you used once will still be there with blood on it mm-hmm. you know it won't have broken down because it needs bio things that need to be biodegraded need water and air and we're not yeah. allowing things to biodegrade and you know you guys know all these things so i just think you know and and education is key to all of these products and getting the education out there i mean um, that is the hardest thing, is, is knowledge. Knowledge is power. If you are armed with knowledge, you're going to go out and you know exactly what you're going to buy, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and normally, it's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bigger issue than just thinking that period, that reusable period products are gross. The issue is that we think the, woman bo- the, the female body is gross. That is the issue. We are conditioned to think that a vagina is gross, right? And it's not because we've all got one. (laughs) Um, But we, there is this cultural taboo, especially in Western communities, around the vagina. And you can do some reading on how that came about. It's absolutely fascinating. We won't get into it today. Um, But it's the whole idea that as a woman's body, it is unclean. And so from that comes not talking about our periods, not talking about Vaginal discharge and cervical fluid and mucus, you know, these, these are not conversations we're having. When you start having them Everyone wants to be part of it because they are just desperate for this information about what their body is doing It doesn't have to be periods just about vaginas in general or what labia looks like or all the different way like all the different shapes and sizes of a vagina um, Or of a vulva, sorry, because we don't even use the correct bloody terminology we refer to it as a vagina. The vagina is just the inside, but the tampon or the cup or the penis or the baby comes out of. The bit you actually see—that's a vulva. The mound, the inner labia, the outer labia, all of that, and. And you have medical professionals who still aren't using the right terminology. So if we can't label our bodies, if we can't put names to the parts of our bodies, then how the hell are we going to get our heads around being okay with touching menstrual blood? The tampons and pads are very much, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to pull it out and throw it away. And whereas reusables sort of force you to look at what your body does. And that's not a bad thing, but that's a really big, block for a lot of people and, and what I say to them is your body isn't gross like they'll say you know oh gross I've, I've got to see it like it came out of you it's okay <laughs> to hear it. it's it, you know it. in Maori um, in culture they call it te awa atua and they believe that the genealogy of of their, their the of their ancestors, their genealogy come through on the river of menstruation it's a beautiful thing not a disgusting thing. I think if more of us could look at it as a life force, we bleed and we can create life. That's pretty fucking epic. It (laughs) is. It it really is. Instead of looking at it as something that is disgusting for throwing the rubbish in each month, then it just makes sense to start using uh, reusable products and to start honoring our body and, and what our body is doing when we menstruate. And now, I mean, that's a whole other issue that Kimberly and I are only dipping our feet into with the good fund because we are the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff trying to catch everyone who's had years of conditioning to think their body is gross and have been ashamed because they're missing school and they're bleeding into their clothes. So where we're, they're offering this what we need to be doing as a collective is lifting women up and being able to embrace what their body is doing. And then the conversations mm-hmm. around periods just start happening anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you start, while we, Once you start talking about it, it's a, it's a floodgate. Like people just, you know, when people ring us or we do group chats or whatever, people are just like, their eyes are wide open and they wanna talk about it. And they're enlightened because they've been dying for 20 years to be able to talk about it, some of these people. Nobody's ever talked to them about their body before, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it seems that, uh, you know, the message I'm I'm getting here is that there needs to be change at every level um, in order for, you know, period poverty to be mitigated. Um, Like Emily said, while you guys are absolutely awesome, you are an ambulance at the bottom of the hill. Um, so what kind of changes do you think need to be made, you know, politically, uh, within the community, socially, in order for, you know, periods in the female body to be seen for what it is, and for us to start overcoming the massive issue in Aotearoa that is period
1: poverty? Ooh. Where do you start, can eh, believe. Where do you start? I mean, from a practical point of view... Every single sexy class in, class in school should have reusables in the curriculum, just hands down. It shouldn't just be tampons and pads. We should be teaching young people about cloth pads, period underwear, cups, free bleeding. Throw all the options out there. Just make it a conversation. We have homemade classes. Why are we, like, in homemade class, we, we sewed a stop gate for the draft under the door. that, make cloth pads. Mm Do something useful, even if they're just making them to donate to an organisation that helps women in need. Give give people that opportunity to to have those conversations and just make it something that's every day. So the education Mm -hmm. in the schools definitely that's I mean that catches more people than anything else is ever going to do. And the younger we start the conversations, the easier that they are to to have. But then I think as a one to one personal level, we need to look at ourselves what is our language around bodies and menstruation? What are the means that we're sharing? What are we saying when we've got our periods? Are we there going, oh, I've got my period, it's so gross. Mm -hmm. Because all we're doing by doing that is perpetuating the myth that it is something disgusting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's power in in what we do as people, the way that you talk about your period to your friends, you can say, look, I'm, I'm just gonna sit down. I've got my period. I'm a bit sore today, and my body just needs to rest. Mm-hmm. And just voicing it slightly differently. Not sharing memes or jokes. Like as as a mum, I do not share anything about um, incontinence after childbirth being funny. So mm-hmm. I won't share any posts about um, if I jump on the tramp, I'm gonna piss myself because <laughs> yep. of that narrative coming through Sorry. for actually incontinence after childbirth is something that should be dealt to and can be managed. Um, so it's just not not perpetuating that in itself. Um, I think as a society we, we need to realise that period poverty is a thing and the uh, detractors and the stuff comments might try and tell you it's not but all they do is silencing the voices of people with the lived experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you read the comments and there will be comments from women saying, period poverty shouldn't be a thing because tampons, I only buy one packet of tampons. You only know your lived experience with your period. That's the only period you've ever experienced as your own. You cannot put that view on someone else. You cannot say, because this is my period, that's your period too. You need to listen to what other people are saying and realize that there is no one way of bleeding and that we all have really different experiences mm. and that for some people, they are spending 50 to $80 a month on product to manage their bleeding. Mm. Mm. It's massive.
0: That's massive. That's a lot, you know, and um, I think a lot of the, just from, this is totally anecdotal, but another reason I see people not wanting to get into reusables is because of the initial startup cost, if you will. But when you think about how much you're spending on disposables per month, it it kind of pays itself off quickly, doesn't it?
2: Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's so, um, you know, you can spend thousands of dollars on period products. And often we, you know, we put figures up about how much you do spend, but It's normally a lot more than that because you've got to buy, some people buying paracetamol, going to the doctor because they're in pain, Um, their period products, plus, you know, they might be buying tampons and pads. Um, They might have to buy new underwear because they've stained their their pairs of underwear that they can't wash. Um, The the cost is phenomenal and we don't even report on that. And there's often we get people saying, oh my God, that's nothing. I spend $50 a month on period products. Um, And it's not just about going down to the warehouse and buying a two dollar pack of pads, because those pads are complete are made of ninety percent plastic. So for someone who's got a heavy period that bleeds for ten days or more, two weeks, they've got plastic next to their body and they get rashes. So then they have to go to the doctor and they have to go and get some rash cream and then they recover from that rash after two weeks and then they get their period back again. So they've not they've had to pay for a doctor's appointment. It just it's just a vicious cycle of of you know, and, and people that put posts on stuff and, and, and social media about period uh, the period probably doesn't exist or um, pe- people have period, don't have periods for longer than five or seven days. It's just bananas, mm, you know. Mm. No, um, we know from the people that apply to us what it's like. Heavy periods yeah. are very, very real for 70% of the people that apply to us for help so um you know and and they're just in a perpetual state of
1: of spend around their period Mm -hmm. and then they never really question they never really question the product we've been so trained to think there's something wrong with our body so we're like you know I, i i just get rashes when i get my period and we're not going actually i'm using a disposable pad it might have fragrances some bodies react to fragrances more than other bodies it is a moist environment in those undies with a pad and blood and all sorts in there. Um, and But we're just, we're just going, it's my body. My, my body's yuck or my body doesn't do a period well. When we first started The Good Fun, we, we had a lady who got in touch with us and she is allergic to her menstrual fluid. Once wow, her wow. menstrual fluid is out of her body, if it touches her labia, she flares up hugely. She did, And she didn't realise that this was abnormal, because she'd never spoken to anyone about her period. Um, She can't wear a tampon inside her body, because it will swell, like her body will just react, so she had to wear pads, but that's still holding the, the blood against her labia, and so she was going for two to three weeks of severe pain, and then there was this little gap in window. She said, you know, her and her partner could only have sex once a month, in amongst the pain, when it had healed enough, and then she'd a period again, it would all turn to shit. Um, and she got in touch with us, we were the first people she'd ever spoken to about what she was going through. Um, and she started using a menstrual cup. And because the cup collects the menstrual fluid, it's not touching her anymore. Like it's not it's not coming out of her body and pulling there. Um, and it was absolutely life-changing. She was part of an interview I did for Natural Parent magazine where she just talks about how much that changed her her life to have an avenue to be able to go and ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't so much period poverty in the sense of unaffordability, but it's still poverty around the education of options out there for our bodies.
0: yeah, yeah. yeah and so the government has recently announced their plans to spend 2.2 million dollars to fight uh, period poverty and um, I I think it was one of you ladies that said in the grand scheme of things that's not even that much when you think about it was that you? (laughs) Um, So I would really like to know um, sort of how this money is going to be allocated and why it's not the solution to this issue in Aotearoa
1: you got the figures, Kimberly You talk on this one as to how much it would actually cost to do something meaningful. Okay,
2: so so this project that was that was instigated by um, a group of women up north, um, they priced it out. They they priced it out to be able to help every everyone in everyone in New Zealand. Um, every I think it was every school child in New Zealand with period underwear, all cups, all tampons, all pads. And it was in the millions and millions, like it was $40 million or something like that. Um, And we provided a quote, you know, to them um, as well. Like we we all put in our bids for this particular... um, the, whatever they were proposing now it's a win for these ladies because these ladies went to parliament and they said we need help and they got two million dollars which is you know it's amazing they got two million dollars but two million dollars doesn't do anything um in terms of products because if everybody's using tam and and to be honest with you, I always said to everybody that I doubt that the government would support reusables anyway, because the logistics of having to do period underwear sizing for every school child on New Zealand would just be a nightmare. Um, menstrual cups, there will be a lot of parents that would be, wouldn't want their kids to be using menstrual cups at 12 or 13, 14. It's just, We don't even suggest that people use them until they're, you know, 15, 16. So so really the only option to help is to provide disposables. And once again, it's the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because those kids need to keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. So I think that the $2 million has now earmarked for education. It's educating everybody. Um, because it's just, it just,
1: it's just not enough. Like, I don't much. actually think it's been allocated. From the reading I've done, it's <laughs> They're it, suggesting, suggesting that it's being allocated. Yeah, of yeah So it, it hasn't been given to anyone yet. We, um, yeah. There are people already doing this mahi within schools. You've got like Ness Consulting who does um, work with menstrual education. You've got Kids Can who are there supporting. Um, children with you know warm clothing and stuff like that so there are already people working within the space that I can see potentially being brought in to be part of this but I don't think it's been allocated really in the grand scheme of things 2.2 million is it, it's a fart. it really is it's really lovely that it's been done and it's finally there is some focus being put on it but like Kimberly said it's probably more useful or can will stretch further being used on education than just buying disposable period products. It's um, just it's not
2: enough, like $2.2 million. It's, just, it's almost like being... Um, being offered something and winning a prize, and I know an, a, a, a total example that we could use, but we can't talk about. Um, is you get offered, you get told that you've won something, and it's like, oh my god, that's so amazing, and then you get told, actually, this is what it is, and it's actually nothing like. Like it sounds really amazing, but mm. then actually, what you've been given is, it's it is amazing, but at the same time, it's I, I, it's really hard to explain. Like you you cannot you, you cannot do much with two 2 million dollars it's not enough money it's almost like it's they've done it just to keep everybody happy to say okay we've done something about it now we don't have to do anything about it for a while sort of thing i right.
1: hope that's not the case i hope it's the start I of a conversation and they've gone okay we see this is important let's get the ball rolling um i think it's something that they probably don't even know where to start with you know it's been such a loud movement in the past couple of years that it's it, people are like Ugh. Where, where do we start? Because as you guys can see, it's not it, it's not a checkbox simplicity. Like, where do you start? Do you start only in decile one schools? Are you saying there's not need in decile 10 schools? You know, it, like, it's a really difficult um, way of going, what do we do with this? For me, I'd like to see an upgrade in menstrual education across the board from primary <laughs> school. Let's start the conversation. We've got eight-year-olds who have been applied for on behalf of for period products, so waiting until Form Two or Year Eight, I think I'm showing my age now. Form Two, um, to to have this conversation, it's just too late. Uh, so yeah, I think that would make the biggest impact. Would be to mm-hmm. overhaul menstrual education, and also to have the boys either part of it, or if that's going to be too difficult for the girls, to have the boys learn about periods with their sexual Education, like if, if I don't know if they split the classes they used to when I was at school. Yep. I think boys yep. need to learn about periods too, just like girls need to. Well, boys don't have periods, but it should <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be something that's just a a woman thing. Like my son is yep. four and he knows it's a menstrual cup for catching menstrual blood, and I want that mm-hmm. knowledge just to be normal, because these are boys who will become fathers or partners or brothers and menstruation is going to be part of the life around them. And it should be something that they are aware of and isn't it.
0: Mm -hmm. This has definitely given us a lot to think about. And I'm sure with anyone listening, they've, you know, a lot of their questions have been explained. So thank you for that. And I just want to finish on the note is, um, and I'm sure that there will be people listening who think, actually, I realize that I am in period poverty and I would like to get some help. How do they go about contacting you? Or if anyone is willing to help you guys out, um, how can they do that? How can we get in touch with the Good Fund?
1: Well,
2: they can just go online and it's, on, it's goodfund.co.nz and you can um, there's a button where you can apply for help and there's a button where you can donate so um, it's as simple as that and we don't um, it's really discreet you don't you don't have to talk to anyone if you don't want to you can just apply online for help we personally reply to every single person that applies um, so you'll get res- a response from us um, within a few days and we go from there to help so that's the
1: good fund thegoodfund.co.nz well, the um, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram as at The Good Fund NZ. So there's information, there's videos on our Facebook page about how to use a menstrual cup, how to use period underwear, how to use cloth pads for anyone wanting a, um, a source of information that they can engage with a watch in their own time. Uh, and you know that every time you message whatever platform, be it Facebook, Instagram, email the website, you're going to hear from me or Kimberly. It's it's us. So (laughs) we're not scary. Just message through. (laughs) Perfect. And I think you also
2: alluded to a helpline as well. Oh, yeah. We've got a helpline here. So if anyone wants to talk to someone about which period product would be best for their body, they can ring 0800- Six nine two eight seven six, and we've got a helpline, and um, we just help um, that person work out what's best for their body. Because yeah, because everybody's Perfect. different. Well, thank you so
0: so so much for joining us. Um, wow. You've provided us with so many uh, answers that I'm sure that otherwise we wouldn't have dared to ask. Because, like you said, we do have a bit of. Many people still do have that internalized fear of talking about periods and their bodies. So thank you so much for uh, opening up and sharing your experiences with us. It's really so valuable. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Kōrera on Sustainability. We hope this episode has given you resources to start addressing period poverty among your whānau. If you would like to support us and please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, the more we talk about this topic, the faster we will normalize it. So make sure you share this episode with your loved ones.